Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats podcast. I'm your host, Stacey LeBaron. I've been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we are speaking with Audra Farrell. Audra started volunteering as a dog walker at the San Francisco SPCA shortly after moving to the area from New York City. Audra worked in adoptions for two years before transferring over to the Community Cares Program in 2013. She's currently the program supervisor as well as the Community Cats Coordinator. She assists San Francisco residents in managing feral cat colonies and oversees our Mamas from the Streets program that keeps feral moms and kittens together until the kittens are weaned. She lives in San Francisco with her wife, Lauren, their border carrier, Miss Bea, and our two rescue cats, Hawkeye and Ezra. Audra, I want to welcome you to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. How did you specifically get started with Community Cats? Well, I started at the San Francisco SPCA as a volunteer. I worked in the adoptions department. I was very interested in doing more community work. When there was an opening in the community cares department, I jumped on it. I was very eager to get out into the streets and really help people and their pets in our city. So that's how I started with our community cares program and really became very involved with the community cats and found that this was the best place for me in our organization. Being the community cats coordinator, that falls within the role of community cares? It does. Our community cares program goes out into the community. We think of animal welfare and sheltering as working inside and our program, we work outside. We help people manage their feral cat colonies. We answer calls primarily during kitten season when we get a lot of calls, as I'm sure most people do, of, I found a litter of kittens in my yard. I've never seen this cat before. This cat is not mine. And we assist with that. And usually when there's one cat, it may not be in the same area, in the same yard, but there's bound to be others. So we help people locate these colonies and make sure that everyone gets spay and neutered and then returned to the area where we can, where we trap them. So I've known and followed the San Francisco SPCA for, for many, many years and known to be incredibly progressive with regards to trap new to return and community cats. What's the situation like for community cats now in San Francisco? San Francisco is an amazing city. Um, we have an incredible climate, which makes it fairly easy for cats to survive here. We don't have the heat of the summer. We don't have the frozen winters. So they do have a very comfortable climate. That being said, there are a lot of them. We do have a great management of big pockets of cats. We have an incredible base of volunteers that help us trap them, and we work very hard to get the word out to people. If you are seeing colonies of cats that are unaltered, and you can tell by the ear tip, we in San Francisco tip the left ear. I know some other places tip right, um, but we tip left to let us know so we can help get things under control. There is a direct correlation with the number of spay-neuters that we do to the intake of cats citywide. 
every year if our numbers go up, cat intake goes down. And that's been true for the last six or seven years. And that shows that TNR does work in reducing numbers of free-roaming cats. But with the fact that I believe San Francisco has been practicing TNR probably since the mid-90s or maybe even earlier than that, there's still a lot of ongoing maintenance. And that's what your role is in terms of continuing to get the word out, probably amazingly to continue to educate people on what uh, TNR is and getting your free-roaming cat spayed and neutered. I mean, one question that does come up is how do we win the population battle? Or, you know, is this a maintenance level that you're at? Or is it there, you're continually finding hot pockets that you may not have known about it in the past? When you talk about large colonies, where at some point there might be a desire to see some attrition there in those colonies as they age out if you are at, you know, 100% sterilization level. So just wondering what you're seeing being out there on the streets and colony by colony. We are seeing some defunct colonies. I think the best example, and this goes to the history of our program, we started a serious effort in the early 90s to sterilize all the cats in Golden Gate Park. A lot of our volunteers that worked on that effort still do work with us, which is incredible. They're incredibly dedicated. They're so smart. They have the institutional knowledge of the program and the city. And currently, because of this long-term effort of working in Golden Gate Park, and I find this to be a wonderful example because in urban areas, you know, most cities have these big parks that you would think would be a hot spot. And Golden Gate Park in San Francisco, through the work of TNR since the early 90s, is really not. Most of the colonies there, at least 10 colonies, are now completely defunct. There are a few colonies that have one or two cats left. And because we've had consistent volunteers working in those areas, they know who those cats are. So if someone new shows up, which happens occasionally in Golden Gate Park, they're able to get right on that to keep that population under control. You do see some hot spots. San Francisco, for as developed as it is, you still have a large industrial area of the city. And in those warehouses, in some of those industrial areas, in some of those industrial areas that are no longer active, we do hear of big colonies that are still out there, generally because they're not areas where there are a lot of people. And as soon as we do hear about that, we're on it. You know, we understand that it doesn't take a whole lot of cats to keep a colony from growing. And in some of those areas, there may not be the resources for those cats to survive in a healthy manner. So we do still hear about those pockets of cats existing in the city. I do think we have a lot of areas such as Golden Gate Park really under control. There is always work to do because it only takes two cats and suddenly your colony goes from five altered cats and two newcomers come in, and now you've got, you know, litter after litter. So you do encourage people who are watching colonies, as soon as they see someone that comes in that's new, unfamiliar, unaltered, to get right on it so we can continue to maintain and control the population in San Francisco. Do you have any certain protocols in place to ensure that if a new cat does show up at a feeding location, to ensure that you're not taking in somebody's owned indoor-outdoor cat? We do. If the cat is wearing a collar, that's usually an indication. You know, the things we look for are a collar, an ear tip, 
obviously we can't see a microchip. The first thing that we do when we get the cat into our facility is check for a microchip. And if it's a microchipped cat, we try to get in touch with the owner and return the cat to the owner. And we've had that happen. Um, we do have friendly indoor-outdoor cats that are people's pets that, you know, are maybe going on a little buffet hunt through the neighborhood <laughs> and showing up at feeding stations. We also find some cats that are free-roaming that have been altered who do have microchips, and they might be registered back to us or back to another shelter. If we find a cat, if someone traps a cat that is unaltered, does not have an ear tip, does not have a collar, does not have a micro microchip, we assume that that is a free-roaming cat and we'll TNR that cat. And now let's take a moment to listen to a few words from our sponsors. Accidental Exiles by Bruce Perry. Jesse McAllister, a young Texan and a rock war vet, escapes to Europe where he seeks a new direction and to heal his desert wounds. Wandering the streets of Ascona, Switzerland, he meets and falls in love with a beautiful Italian waitress named Sonia Altarelli. Since the horrors of combat he encountered with a boyhood friend, Jesse will have nothing more to do with war. This story is his farewell to arms. Check out Accidental Exiles on Amazon.com today. Are you starting to think about that special holiday gift? Why not give the gift of a Community Cats podcast branded t-shirt, coffee mug, bag, or other item? This is the perfect way to spread the word about helping community cats. The proceeds from the sales will go to support the Community Cats podcast and the Community Cats Grants program, which helps small groups grow their fundraising programs to be able to fund more spay-neuter programs for free-roaming cats. Go to www.communitycatspodcast.com and click on our shop button in the menu bar today to get that perfect community cat gift right now. Thank you, everybody, for supporting the show. One thing that some of the groups in Massachusetts are doing is utilizing paper collars for a friendly, potentially stray cat at a feeding station where you put a paper collar on and say, let me know if someone owns me with either a phone number of the local humane society or of the concerned party. And I guess that has come across to be a pretty helpful alternative too. So they're trying that in Massachusetts. That's a great idea. We also encourage people that call us and let us know that a friendly cat has shown up to file a report with animal care and control in case someone is looking for their cat. Generally, owned cats aren't going to wander very far from where they live. Put flyers up around the neighborhood. Talk to your neighbors. I know um, in my neighborhood, I see on the website next door from time to time, people post, hey, who knows who this cat is? He keeps showing up on my porch. You know, Oh, that's mm-hmm. the cat that lives down the street, that kind of thing. So, you know, really talk to your neighbors and see if that is somebody's cat. So one program you wanted to really dive deep into is the Mamas from the Streets program. Can you tell me a bit about that? Sure. A couple years ago during kitten season, as I'm sure listeners out there can relate to, we get a lot of calls of, I found a litter of kittens in my yard. I found a litter of kittens in my warehouse. I've never seen this cat before. This isn't my cat. And I think there's the idea that I'm going to scoop up the kittens and I'm going to take them to the shelter. That is the best thing for them. Mom, generally when kittens are young, is not going very far. She's going to eat. She's going to make her rounds. She's never going to leave the nest for more than a couple of hours. 
because they nurse so frequently when they're very young. So we started asking people to not remove the kittens, wait and see if mom is around. If it turns out six, seven hours goes by and mom's not around, it's possible that she has abandoned them or she started moving them and something happened. What we do is we ask people to call us and we will go out and try to get the whole family. We'll use the kittens as bait to get mom. And we're very lucky that in our facility, we've set up a nursery where we can keep feral mom with her babies until they're old enough to be weaned and we can put them up for adoption. And then mom is spayed and put back out. Our first year, just to give folks an indication of like you don't need a lot to start to do this, we were using dog crates with smaller crates inside for mom and we were sticking them wherever we had space. We had one in our office closet. We had a couple dotted throughout our facility in people's offices. And then as this started to grow, we got more space. Our first year, we did maybe four or five cats. Last year, we did 26 moms with kittens. This year, hopefully this will end soon since we're getting to the end of October. We are up to 43 moms with their litters. That's 43 moms that don't have to be outside battling the elements, trying to feed themselves while taking care of their kittens. They have a safe, quiet space here where everyone gets to stay together. Mom gets to nurse everyone. We get to make sure everyone's healthy, treat any URIs that tend to come up with young kittens, make sure mom is getting enough nutrition to nurse everybody. We were also very lucky to have a couple of webcams donated to us that we would keep on mom and kittens so we could watch remotely. Because a lot of times, moms don't want to interact with us. They're feral, so they're kind of hiding when we go in to clean them and feed everybody. With the webcams, we were able to check during the day and actually see them be cats, see that mom is taking care of her babies and that everyone is healthy. And it's actually kind of cool to be able to, during the day, check in on the webcam and see the kittens playing and, and see everyone acting like a cat. We work with our animal care and control for them to get the word out to people too. If you're seeing moms, if you're seeing kittens, let us know and we will help you. This has really helped us in terms of making sure mom stays so she's not having two or three litters a year, making sure the kittens are healthy and have a really good chance of survival because if they're left outside, their chance of surviving is about 50%. It's also helped take the pressure off of our foster team in trying to find bottle feeders for little newborns. This is something that I'm really passionate about, getting the word out. It's easy to set up. It's been very successful for us, and I'm really looking forward to it growing in the future. It's interesting that you've kept them in sort of the shelter environment. Uh, You've mentioned it and how you've situated the cages and such because stress for the feral mom is really important over the years of fostering that where we've had foster homes foster feral moms. I mean, sometimes the environment has not been warmly accepted by that feral mom. And sometimes that transfers into extra stress on the kittens, extra stress on the mom. And, you know, the webcam is a great idea because it is very hard to monitor things when a feral mom cat's not going to move for you while you're there watching. So interesting questions. I know, I mean, we have a lot of trappers that will focus on trying to get the kittens at four to five weeks of age. That's sort of like the the window of opportunity, um, you know, and obviously trap mom, get her spayed and put her back. But it sounds like you're trying to offer a different alternative to that scenario. Yeah. And stress is always an issue. 
We have our nursery, as we call it, set up in an area that is removed kind of from the hustle and bustle of the rest of the shelter, and we are fortunate to have the space to be able to do that. We also have it set so the only people that ever go in our room are the people on our team. We have a team of four uh, twice a day to feed and to clean and to check on everybody, and if they need care, obviously we have techs and vets going in and checking them. But the key is really to keep it quiet, um, keep as much interaction out of that area as possible so they really can relax and just tend to their family. We do occasionally have moms that don't react so great to it. And I have found even the fiercest of ferals can be really, really great moms. So their concern is more taking care of their kittens than having to deal with us. And we do, as soon as as possible, remove the kittens so we can get mom spayed and get her back outside. Because we know when she's had enough, you know, that it is it is stressful. And, you know, as the kittens get older, they're driving her nuts. And she's sort of looking at her watch going, okay, I'm ready to go back out. I got things to do. So we, we do know that it is stressful. And we do try to minimize the stress as much as we can for the whole family. So, Audra, if folks are interested in finding out more about this program or about the work that you're doing at the San Francisco SPCA, how could they find you? They can find us on our website, which is sfspca.org. There is a link on there to the Community Cats program. If they are local, if people in San Francisco need to reach us, they can call our Community Cares line, which is 415 Five two two three five three nine. We can and also Audra's- be found book under San Francisco SPCA. Oh, great! So you said that was Facebook. Yes. Excellent, excellent. And is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? Stay and neuter. Stay and neuter everything. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. I mean, you know, it, the program that you have with the mamas is great, but I'm always like, well, let's just get them spayed or neutered before they get that way. Exactly. And and I absolutely agree with you. And the nice thing about getting moms in, and we have had a couple of moms that we know this year, I know I had one or two that have had at least two litters this year. So it's very satisfying when you finally get that tough nut to crack and you know that this is it for her. She's done. Yeah, no more, no more babies, no more babies. Yeah. So that's great. And uh, I want to thank you so much for all the work that you're doing in San Francisco and the program that you run there sounds awesome. And I want well, to thank, thank you, you so much. much for agreeing to be a guest on my show. And I hope we'll have you on in the future. Thanks. I hope to be on in the future. And for anyone who's going to be at HSUS in the spring, we will be doing a presentation on Mamas from the Streets. So I hope to see lots of your listeners there. Oh, that's fantastic. Great. We'll try and make sure we get that into the show notes, too. So thanks so much, Audra, and we'll be in touch in the future. Great. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to Community Cats Podcast. I would really appreciate it if you would go to iTunes, leave a review of the show. It will help spread the word to help more community cats. 